Chapter Eleven of Hagar of the Pawn Shop by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The tenth customer and the Persian ring. One of the last customers of any note who came to the Lambeth pawn shop was a slender, wiry man with an oriental face not unlike that of Hagar herself. His countenance was oval, his nose aquiline in shape, and he possessed two dark, sparkling eyes also a long black beard well trimmed and well kept in fact this beard was the neatest thing about him as his dress a european garb was miserably poor and the purple-hued cloth which he had twisted round his head for a turban was worn and soiled he was nevertheless a striking figure when he presented himself before hagar and she examined him with particular interest there was a gypsy look about the tenth customer which seemed to stamp him as one of the gentle romany even keen-eyed hagar was deceived are you of our people she asked abruptly after looking at him for a moment or so i do not understand replied the man in very good english but with a foreign accent what people you speak of the romany the gypsy tribes no lady i know of dem i know what they are oh yes they in my own country as in dis where is your country demanded hagar vexed at her mistake iran what you call persia replied the customer my name lady is ali i come from ispahan dese two years oh yes a long time i do stop in dis town a persian said hagar looking at his swarthy face and delicate features i don't think i ever saw a persian before you are very like one of the romany not at all like a gentile lady i know gentile i know christian i am follower of de prophet may his name be blessed but dis not what i do come to speak he added with some impatience you give money on ring eh let me see the ring first said hagar diplomatically ali as he called himself slipped the ring in question off one of his slender brown fingers and handed it to her in silence it was a band of dead gold rather broad and set in it was an oval turquoise of azure hue marked with arabic letters in gold the ring had the look of a talisman or amulet as the queer hieroglyphics on the stone seemed the words of some charm stamped thereon to avert evil hagar examined the ring carefully as she had never seen one like it before it is a queer stone she said after looking through a magnifying glass at the turquoise what do you want on it one pound replied ali promptly just for two tree days eh what you give me dat oh yes i think the ring is worth five times as much here is the money i'll make out the ticket in your name of ali how do you spell it the persian took the ticket from hagar and in very fair english letters wrote down his name and address then with a bow he turned to leave the shop but before he reached the door she called him back i say ali what do these gold marks on this stone mean de arabic letters lady they spell against de jins in de name of allah de all-merciful dat what dem letters say they say a good deal with a word or two muttered hagar arabic must be something like shorthand 
when do you want back the ring she asked aloud in two three days replied the persian say dis week yes good night lady you keep dat ring all right yes so ali took himself out of the shop with another bow and hagar after a further examination of the queer ring with its talismanic inscription put it away on a tray with other jewels she wondered very much if it had a story attached to it and having read the arabian nights of late she compared it in her own mind to the ring of aladdin it looked like a jewel with a history did that inscribed turquoise in the afternoon of the next day another persian arrived hagar recognized him as such from his resemblance to ali indeed but for the difference in expression the two men might have passed for twins ali had a soft look in his eyes a melancholy twist to his mouth while this countryman of his had a hawk-like and dangerous fierceness stamped on his lean face he was dressed similarly to ali but wore a yellow turban instead of a purple one and gave his name to hagar as mohammed also he took out of his pocket the pawn-ticket which he handed to the girl ali my countryman he send dis said he in broken but very fair english he want de ring which he leave here why doesn't he come for it himself asked hagar suspiciously ali ill him very bad he asked me to get de ring but if you no give me why i tell ali he come himself den oh there is no necessity for him to do so replied hagar getting the ring you would not have the ticket with you if everything was not square here is ali's property one pound and interest thank you mr mohammed by the way you are a friend of ali yis i come to dis place when he come replied mohammed passively him very great friend of me two years we in dis land both of you speak english very well tank you yes we learn our inglese in persia for long time and when we hear we spike always always good day i do take this to ali i say called out hagar has that ring a story what dis i no know him charm against de jin but dat's all good day i go queek to ali good day he went away with the ring on his finger leaving hagar disappointed that the strange jewel with its golden letters had not some wild tale attached to it however the ring was gone and she never expected to hear anything more of it or of the two persians a week passed and no ali made his appearance so hagar concluded that everything was right and that he had really sent mohammed to redeem the ring on the eighth day of its redemption she was undeceived for ali himself made his appearance in the shop hagar was surprised to see him the poor man looked ill and his brown face was terribly lean and worn in its looks an expression of anxiety lurked in his soft black eyes and he could hardly command his voice as he asked her to give him the ring the request was so unexpected that hagar could only stare at him in silence it was a moment or so before she could find words the ring she said in tones of astonishment why you have it did not your friend mohammed give it mohammed 
cried ali clenching his hands and the next moment he had fallen insensible on the outer floor of the shop the single mention of the name mohammed in connection with the ring had stricken the poor persian to the heart his entrance his behavior his fainting all three were unexpected and inexplicable recovering from her first surprise hagar ran to the assistance of the fallen man he was soon revived by the application of cold water and when he could rise hagar like the good samaritan she was conducted him into the back parlor and made him lie down on the sofa but more than ordinary weakness was the matter with the man he was suffering from want of food and told hagar faintly that he had eaten nothing for two days at once the girl set victuals before him and warmed some soup to nourish him ali ate sparingly but well and although he refused to touch wine as a follower of the prophet he soon became stronger and more cheerful his gratitude to hagar knew no bounds you are as charitable as fatima the daughter of our lord mohammed said he gratefully and your good deed it will be talked of by the angel gabriel on de last day how is it you are so poor asked hagar restive under this praise ah lady dat is one big long story connected with the ring yes yes dat ring would have made me reach replied the persian with a sigh but now dat wicked one will git my monies ha ha said ali furiously dat mohammed is de son of a burnt father he is a scoundrel certainly how did he get the pawn ticket he took it away when i ill why did he want the ring ali reflected for a moment and then he evidently made up his mind what course to pursue i will tell you lady he said looking with thankful eyes at hagar you have been good to me i will tell you de story of my life of de ring i knew that ring had some story connected with it said hagar complacently go on ali i am all attention the persian obeyed forthwith but as his english was imperfect at times it will be as well to set forth the story in the vernacular being still weak it took ali some time to tell the whole tale but hagar heard him patiently to the end his narrative was not without interest i was born in ispahan said the persian in his grave voice and i am a mirza what you call here a prince in my own country my father was an officer of the shah's household and very wealthy when he died i as his only son inherited his wealth i was young rich and not at all bad-looking so i expected to lead a pleasant life the shah who had protected my father continued the son of his favor to me and i accompanied him to the court at tehran where i speedily became high in his favor but alas added ali in the flowery language of his country soon did i cover the face of pleasure with the veil of mourning and ride the horse of folly into the country of sorrow he paused and then added with a sigh her name was aisha ah said hagar the cynic i was waiting to hear the name of the woman she ruined you i suppose she and another sighed ali stroking his beard i melted like wax in the flame of her beauty 
and my heart turned to water at the glance of her eyes she was georgian and fairer than the chief wife of suleiman bin daoud but alas alas what saith saidi wed a charmer and wed sorrow well said hagar rather patiently i know all about her looks go on with the story on my head be it said ali i purchased this georgian in ispahan and made her my third wife but so lovely and clever she was that i speedily raised her to the rank of the first i adored her beauty and marvelled at her wit she sang like a bulbul and danced like a peri she seems to have been a wonder ali go on there was a man called achmet who hated me very much continued ali his eyes lighting up fiercely at the mention of the name he saw that i was rich and favored by the king of kings so he set his wits to work to ruin me having heard of my beautiful wife ayesha he told the shah of her loveliness which was that of a houri in paradise fired by the description my sovereign visited at my house and i received him with due splendor he saw all my treasures among others my wife i thought you turks never presented your wives to strangers we are persians not turks corrected ali quietly and the shah is no stranger in the houses of his subjects also he has the right to pass the forbidden door to the abode of felicity what is the abode of felicity the harem lady but to tell you the story of my ruin the shah saw my beautiful ayesha and her burning glances were as arrows of delight in his heart he returned to his palace with a desire to possess my treasure achmed who had right of access to the person of the shah strengthened this desire and declared that i was unhappy with ayesha and were you ali sighed after the coming of the king of kings i was he confessed my wife wished to enter the royal harem and warm herself in the glory of the royal sun she was silent and melancholy or cross and fierce i did what i could to console her but she refused to listen to me treated me as dirt beneath her feet and sometimes she even smote me on the mouth with her pearl-embroidered slipper tales of our constant quarrels were carried to the shah by the perfidious achmed who declared that i ill-treated my beautiful georgian at last achmed told the king that i wished i were rid of the woman if only for the meanest jewel worn by his august self did you say that in a fit of rage one day i said something like it said ali darkly but i never intended my foolish speech to be taken seriously however these idle words were reported to the shah and he sent for me ali said he it has been said that thou deemest the meanest thing worn by us of more value than your wife ayesha if that be so take this ring which we give thee freely and surrender thy lightly valued wife to dwell in the shadow of our throne thou hast my leave to go lady i bowed myself to the ground i took the ring you know of and i went did you not say that you wished to keep ayesha no the word of the shah is law had i expressed such a wish i should have lost my head 
as it was i lost my wife returning home i made known the shah's desire and urged her to fly with me beyond his power desirous of entering the royal sarai however she refused and so i carried her off by force i drugged her one night placed her on a camel and set out for the nearest seaport disguised as a merchant was your flight successful alas no replied ali in melancholy tones achmet was on the watch and had me followed my wife was taken from me by force but only too willingly on her own part for daring to disobey the royal command i suffered the bastinado on the soles of my feet until i fainted away poor ali mad with anger i let the wrath of the heart overpower the judgment of the mind and rashly joined in a conspiracy to overthrow the king of kings again my evil genius achmed thwarted and discovered me i was forced to fly from persia to save my life and all my wealth was forfeited to the royal treasury a goodly portion of it however was given to achmed for his having found out the conspiracy after many adventures which i need not relate here i came to this land where i have lived in poverty and misery for two years my wife is a queen in the sarai of the shah my enemy is the ruler of a province and i lady am the exile you see all that i carried out of the shah's kingdom was the ring which he gave me in exchange for my beautiful aisha he paused and hagar waited for him to continue the story finding that he still kept silent she addressed him impatiently is that all yes except that since i have been here it has been told to me that both achmed and aisha wish to get me back to persia that they may kill me the georgian never forgave me for carrying her away and only my death will glut her vengeance as for achmed he is never free from dread while i live and wishes me to die also if they can manage it those two will have me carried back to persia and there have me slain they can't take you out of london against your will ali shook his head who knows said he there is the case of the chinaman who was lured into the embassy to be sent back to china if the government of england had not interfered he would have been a dead man by this time i keep always away from the persian embassy you are wise to do so replied hagar who remembered the case but about the ring why did you pawn it and why did mohammed steal it by means of the pawn ticket there was a friend of mine in persia explained ali who saved for me out of my property seized by the shah a box of jewels knowing that i was starving in this land he sent the jewels to me in charge of a servant i received a letter from him in which he stated that the servant had been instructed to give up the jewels to me when i produced the ring i foolishly told mohammed about this and one night he tried to thieve the ring from me thinking that he would show it to my friend's servant and get my jewels in fear lest he should obtain it i pawned it with you for safety until the servant should arrive is the servant here now he arrived last week replied ali mournfully 
and he is now waiting for me at southampton but alas i speak foolishly when i fell ill after pawning the ring mohammed stole the ticket and as you know he obtained the ring i have no doubt that by this time he has shown it to the servant of my friend and is possessed of the jewels mohammed the accursed is rich and i remain poor now lady you know why a darkness came over my spirit and why i fell as one bereft of life surely i am the sport of fortune and the most unlucky of men i am he of whom the poet spoke when he said strive not contend not thy future is woe except of thy sorrows for fortune's thy foe the poor man recited this couplet in faltering tones and burst into tears rocking himself to and fro in an agony of grief hagar was sorry for this unfortunate person who had been so unlucky as to lose wife and wealth and country she gave him the only comfort that was in her power here are twenty shillings said she placing some silver in his hand perhaps mohammed has not yet gone to southampton or it may be that the servant with your jewels has not yet arrived go down to hampshire and see if you can recover your ring ali thanked her with great emotion and shortly afterwards left the shop promising to tell her of the issue of this adventure hagar saw him go away with the fullest belief in his honesty of purpose and perfect trust in the truth of his story but later on when alone she began to wonder if she had not been gulled by two sharpers the whole story told by ali was so like an adventure of the arabian nights that hagar became more than a trifle doubtful of its truth as the days went by and ali did not return as he had promised she fancied that her belief was a true one those two persians have played a comedy of which i have been the dupe she said to herself it has all been done to get money and yet i am not sure the pair would not take all that trouble for a miserable twenty shillings after all ali's story may be true and he may be at southampton trying to recover his ring and jewels in this conjecture she was perfectly right for all the days of his absence ali had been at southampton vainly looking for mohammed the thief his twenty shillings had soon been expended but luckily he had met with an englishman whom he had known in persia this gentleman an oriental scholar and a liberal-minded man had recognized ali dirty and miserable as he haunted the southampton quays looking for the servant of his friend and the recreant mohammed carthew for that was the englishman's name was profoundly shocked to find one whom he had known wealthy in such misery he took ali to his hotel supplied him with food and clothes and requested to know how the persian had fallen so low ali told this samaritan the same story as he had told hagar but versed in the craft and topsy-turvydom of the east carthew was not so surprised or sceptical as the gypsy girl had been he was sorry for poor ali who had been for so long the butt of fortune and determined to befriend him 
i suppose there is no chance of your regaining the shah's favor he asked the unfortunate man in his own tongue alas no what is is i conspired against the king of kings i was betrayed by ahmed so there is no way in which i can approach again the asylum of the universe humph looks like it growled carthew stroking his white beard and ahmed that son of a burnt father is high in favor yes he is the governor of a province and as he is friendly with aisha who is now the favorite of the shah he is above all fortune it is strange added ali reflectively that those so rich and high-placed should wish to get me back to my death they know they have wronged you my friend and so they hate you but you are safe in england even the shah cannot seize you here ali reminded carthew as he had done hagar of the chinese kidnapping case which had created so great a stir in england carthew laughed why don't you see that the case is your very safeguard said he if the persian embassy seized you they would have to release you remember now that i have met you you are not friendless you stay by me ali and you will be safe from the vengeance of your wife and ahmed but i do not wish to live on your charity you needn't said the oriental scholar bluntly as you know i am translating the epic of kings which ferdusi wrote you must assist me and i'll engage you as my secretary in a few months you'll be on your feet again and no doubt i shall be able to find you some regular employment as for that scoundrel mohammed who stole the ring i'll set the police after him by the way i suppose he dare not go back to persia again no he was a conspirator also replied ali we fled together from the wrath of the shah he was nearly captured and beheaded in mistake for me as we are so like one another but he managed to escape and joined me in england still he is safer here than i as he has no powerful enemies who desire his return to persia it's a case of dilly duck come and be killed said carthew with a grim laugh well we must hunt up the scoundrel and find your jewels impossible who was the friend who sent them to you feshnavat of shiraz he was a friend of my father's and is as you know a great merchant yes i know him said carthew nodding a fine old man i have no doubt he recovered your jewels and sent them here all right the pity is that he made their delivery depend upon the showing of the shah's ring though to be sure he never anticipated that a villain would rob you of it truly ali you are the most unlucky of men not since i met with you o comforter of the poor replied ali gratefully you have been charitable and good even as the woman who helped me in the great city but to both reward shall come what says the poet give freely to the poor your gold what spent will come back fortyfold ah ali said carthew with a half sigh your couplet and gratitude are but bringing the posy of the east into the prose of the west 
you are in london my friend in ordinary commonplace london and not with saadi in the gardens of shiraz carthew was as good as his word and employed ali to aid him in translating the epic of kings with the first money which he earned the persian visited hagar to repay her and to tell her all that had befallen him since he had left her shop hagar was pleased to see him and gratified at the refunding of the money for such action quite restored her faith in ali which she had been beginning to lose she asked after mohammed but concerning that rascal the persian was unable to give any news he hath took my ring and jewels sighed ali mournfully and in some land far away he live on my monies but the justice of allah who sees the black beetle in the black rock will smite him he will fall in his splendor and evil doing as the people of ad went down to the dust it is written in the meantime carthew who had a genuine liking for ali made all inquiries about the absent mohammed and the missing ring for many weeks he learnt nothing but finally chance set him on the track of the thief and in the end he learnt all he discovered what had become of mohammed and of the ring and the discovery astonished him not a little it was an attache of the persian embassy who revealed the truth and carthew judged it best that the lips of this same man should relate the story to ali my friend said he one day to the persian do you know a countryman of yours called mirza baba i have heard of him replied ali slowly but he has not seen my face nor have i beheld him why do you ask because he knows what has become of your ring and of mohammed oh my friend tell me of these things cried the persian nay ali it is better that the truth should come from the lips of mirza baba himself i will ask him here to tell you but he may learn who i am muttered ali in dismay i think not as he has never seen your face replied carthew smiling besides he broke off with a nod well you'll hear the story as he tells it but call all your self-command and oriental impassiveness to your aid you'll need courage let it be as you say rejoined ali folding his hands to-day and to-morrow are in the hands of the all-wise true to his promise carthew next day received mirza baba in his house and introduced him to ali who gave his countryman a feigned name the persian of the embassy who was a very great man indeed paid little attention to ali whom he regarded simply as the secretary of carthew and as one quite beneath his notice this neglect suited ali who sat meekly on one side and listened to his own story and to the story of mohammed and the missing ring mirza baba in response to the request of carthew told it over pipes and coffee and greatly astonished ali in the telling you know said the mirza addressing himself particularly to carthew and quite ignoring his own countrymen that this dog of an ali on whose head be curses had the folly to conspire against the peace of the shah 
on whom be blessings he escaped from the land of the sun and came to this island of thine hither he was traced and to assert the majesty of the asylum of the universe it was resolved that this son of a burnt father should be brought back to persia for punishment the banu aisha who is the pearl of the east was bent upon seeing the head of this traitor to whom aforetime she had been wife ere the king of kings had deigned to cast his eyes upon her also achmed the most zealous of governors who had discovered the conspiracy of the evil-minded ali wished to punish him orders were sent to our embassy that ali should be taken even in the streets of london and sent back in chains to the court of tehran but this it was difficult to do hm i think so replied carthew dryly the chinese embassy tried on that game with sun yat and had to give him up the english government do not recognize the embassies as so many neutral territories in london it is true i know it answered baba coolly well as there was no chance of capturing ali in that way it was resolved to employ stratagem a letter purporting to be written by feshnavat of shiraz was sent to this traitor in which it was set forth that a box of jewels saved from the wreck of his property was being sent to england and that it would be given up at southampton to the bearer of the shah's ring you know of the ring my friend added the mirza yes the ring given by the shah to ali in exchange for his wife go on that is so the dog surrendered his spouse who is now the pearl of persia for the meanest ring worn by the shah it was known that he bore it to this land so it was arranged by the pearl and achmed that such ring should be the means to lure this traitor to his death well my friend continued baba with a chuckle the plot contrived by the wit of banu aisha was successful ali went to southampton and finding the supposed servant of feshnavat produced the ring and demanded the jewels this was at night so at once the traitor was seized and placed on board the waiting vessel to be taken to persia that was very clever said carthew stealing a glance at ali who was painfully white and what happened then lies and misfortune replied baba mirza this ali when he learnt the truth swore that he was not the man we sought but one mohammed and that he had stolen the ring to get the jewels of course no one believed this story which no doubt was a mere trick to save his life he was carefully watched and was told that on arriving in persia he would be beheaded at once in fear of this death the wretch escaped one night from the cabin in which he was confined and threw himself into the sea he left behind him the ring and this seeing that the man was dead was taken to persia in proof that ali had been seized the ring is now worn by the pearl of persia but never has she ceased regretting that ali escaped her vengeance 
after telling this story which was listened to with outward composure but inward fear by ali the mirza took his leave when alone with the persian carthew turned to address him well ali said he kindly you see fortune has not forsaken you yet she has saved you and punished mohammed for his theft what is is said ali with oriental impassiveness but in truth it is wondrous that i escaped the snare now i can live in peace for thinking me dead neither aisha nor achmed will seek me again i have lost the ring it is true but i have gained my life now i shall take another name and dwell for the span of my days in england it is a queer ending to the story said carthew reflectively the tale is as strange as any of the thousand and one nights replied ali it should be written in letters of gold it is of such that the poet writes go forward on thy path though darkness hides it thy destiny is sure for allah guides it End of chapter eleven